morning. It's the five-minute call for Peter O'Keefe and James Sukru in the semi-final of the South of Ireland Amateur Open Championship 2017. I'm standing outside a lorry at the in the, the first hole. I'm going to follow O'Keefe and Sugru and that's what I'm going to do at the start of Sunday. The wind is blowing as usual in from the sea. The Lahinch Golf Club flag is flying flag is flying strongly. Another flag I couldn't tell you but this holds a sword and a... Oh yes, it's the flag of the province of Connacht, I think, and the Irish flag. And the red hand of Ulster. I'm getting confused. I don't know my flags. And then there's a green harp. Well, it's a gold harp on a green background. And the flag of Pierce Motors. Volkswagen is there as well. As the two contenders get to the first tee. The two players who are about to hit off are both from Cork. Keith is from Mallow, which is a town of about 20,000 people north of Cork City. And uh, James Sucre is from Douglas. No, it's the other way around. Mr. Sucre is from Mallow, and Mr. O'Keefe is from Douglas. Both uh, clubs in County Cork, Ireland. And I live in County Cork, Ireland. I live on the outskirts of Cork City. But it's now just coming up to a quarter to nine in the morning and the players are about to strike off so we'll be with them for their tee off. They've both uh, teed off and they've both gone up the, the first fairway. Mr O'Keefe, whose name I will learn, I promise, has got a very interesting unusual swing. Seems to be a swing with a twist in it. Off they go. Mr. Sugro is wearing today, is wearing shorts and white socks and black shoes. No, he's wearing white shoes. Sorry, he today is in white shoes. <laughs> Mr. O'Keefe is wearing long slacks, golf trousers if you like. He's wearing a, a woolly hat with a buckle on top and a great pullover. And now, I take you into the clubhouse here because I'm going to join that match as it comes down the second. I've got a job to do. Walking upstairs in the clubhouse. 
a dog with me. Yep, his name is Alvin and he seems to have the biggest bladder of any dog I've ever heard about anywhere in the entire world. Yes, he has been demonstrating this during the last 15 minutes while I have been walking with him around the estate. It's a, I feel a little bit like um, a creature uh, re- planting their footsteps on their territory or the territory that they regard as their home turf because I'm back from the hinge I'm back from the land of golfers and the land of rain and Atlantic and all of the drama of what it was like to be behind somebody swinging a club club at a fierce pace I've had some wonderfully engaging sounds while I've been over there in County Clare. And now is the time to catch up. So, first of all, let me start off with the, asking you, what do you think Scott Lowe's stance on golf is? What is Scott Lowe's stance on golf? We'll come on to some other people's stance on golf too. But uh, just try and imagine Scott Lowe and golf at the same time. Here's what he, here's a few things Scott has to say. Paul, are you still there? Good. Now I have to say that golf is certainly not my game. I did caddy during a tournament as a youth, our next door neighbor, we lived actually in kind of a, a posh neighborhood and our neighbor was an avid golfer, member of the country club, and as an act of kindness, his, his son was my age, but there's a, a whole strange dynamic in the relationship between our two families. But I guess to reach out, he invited me to caddy during a weekend tournament, so I walked the 18 holes two or three times, not knowing the job of a caddy at all. It was kind of cool, but also kind of embarrassing and a little weird. But I have a little more golf experience than that, but not much, but stand by for that. Some of my family members were golfers and my father had golfed as a young man and he was also very athletic. So I did spend a few times as a young adult 
late teenager, young adult walking the course with them as they played, and I think I might have even tried to swing a club and whack a ball for a round and a half or two, but I just had no aptitude or no training and didn't quite get it. Uh, my sport was tennis, and I was pretty good at it. I don't play much anymore, but I could pick it up again if I had a chance. So that's the extent of my experience with golf as a participant or a caddy. Oh, I do have one more story, so stand by for that. Well, a little bit more, but actually I want to get back to you, but I'm just giving context, if you know what I mean. For whatever reason, I have greatly enjoyed over the years since my early teens actually enjoying watching golf played on television. Uh, the tournaments would be shown on TV over the weekends, as they are everywhere, I imagine, where golf is played or where golf is enjoyed. Uh, I remember earlier just being terribly bored by it being on TV during football season or baseball season and the dull commentary. But later that turned around and I actually learned to appreciate the game and understand a little bit of the art and science behind it. So I get a lot of what you're saying when I heard your commentary of the Open the other day. And obviously I appreciate your deep appreciation and knowledge for the game. And it reached me on that level. And I have a little bit of understanding, if you will. Stand by. So is there a point to all of these call-ins, Paul? Well, actually, I do have one more little golf story. When I was uh, in my 19, I guess, I was in the Army. I had done basic training in one place, and my um, advanced training, where I learned my what would be my job in the Army, in the Signal Corps. The home of the Signal Corps is Augusta, Georgia. And I was there in the springtime, and I was assigned to be perform guard duty at the Masters based on having done very well in an inspection in terms of shiny boots, pressed uniform, and military knowledge. So that was actually an incredible thrill to spend the, not the final two days, but the first two days just standing around with a, not with a gun, but with a stick, just being security. Pretty interesting. I always seem to lose track of the numbers when I do these call-in series. My apologies if I've duplicated or skipped a number. Anyway, that's enough for me in golf. Um, I'm just always interested to hear your post-round reflections. And I just hope that you had a good day on the links. I heard from Bernie that there was rain in Tipperary. I don't know how that close is. That close that is to you, I have limited geographic knowledge of Ireland but I hope it went well I hope you uh, you finished with the same ball you started with that would be a success in my book but also I hope you got a score that you enjoy, enjoyed and most importantly that you had good conversation along the way so good for you for getting Fridays for golf and I just hope it was a good one and that's really the whole point of this call in so thank you Paul and Now I hope you've enjoyed listening to Scott Lowe's pieces as much as I have. I'm now going to play you 
Bobby Coons. And Bobby and I will be playing golf together in 2018. We're both resolved on that. But we're Bobby Coons, and after Bobby Coons, we'll we'll have um, my good friend Yarla from Norway. And you never know, there might be some other people talking about golf. So, Paul, I just wanted to let you know I'm actually watching the Open Championship on radio. <laughs> Imagine that. How about that? Here we are on Anchor.fm, a radio app, and I'm watching the Open Championship on Sirius XM PGA Tour radio. Open championship coverage. I'm watching the highlights roll through, and you can hear the announcer now for just a second. Open champion Bruce Kepka finishes at four under. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Wonderful work uh, all week from uh, Gordon Brown Jr. and Ron Jones, obviously, as well. From Carl Paulson and Sue Thurn out there today as well, and uh, from Allison Walker, who's been out with uh, And that's not very exciting, so I'll just drift away from that, but you get to hear the coverage. And just know that I've been following what you're posting. I just echoed your stuff out. I'm right here, my friend. I'm right here, thinking of you. Paul, my dear friend, wow, I got to tell you, after listening to you, and after listening to that, I have never had more resolve than to make a formal commitment here and now in this moment to come to your great country next year in the summer so that we can play winter golf. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I think I'll come, you know, <laughs> I'll come at whatever time you tell me is going to be the best time to come. But you know what, my friend? I am making the commitment right here and now in this moment and in front of everybody that I am coming to Ireland next year to play golf with Paul Omani. And it will be memorable. It will be a life-changing experience. And I so look forward to it. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? That Bobby Coons and I, who have met each other here on Anchor, should, should be getting ourselves organized to play golf together over here in Ireland next year. I think it's just terrific. I think it's really, really wonderful and I, I'd be looking forward to it all the time until it happens. So, but not everybody plays golf. So now I've got a special treat for you, all the way from Norway. Yes, here's somebody, here's Jarla, Radio Tisnes International. I don't even know if there's a golf course on on the island of Tisnes. Paul, Paul, Paul. I really didn't know what to say. Uh, you know, I don't have a single golf-interested bone in me, but that wave you did near the fourth hole was excellent reporting, creating a drama the likes of nothing I've ever heard on Anchor. 
Actually, it reminded me of David Attenborough sneaking up on a herd of, well, golfers, I suppose. But honestly, Paul, you may inadvertently, uh, as it may have been, um, managed to recruit a golf enthusiast here. I repeat, excellent reporting. And here's the piece that Yarla liked so much. And, and with this, I promise no more golf before I go to sleep. There has to be somewhere on this golf course which is shielded from the wind better than inside my pullover. I'm walking down the fourth hole with these last two contenders. And uh, I'm having a wonderful time. I'm dressed in sandals, which are completely inappropriate for walking around the golf course. And I'm in short trousers. And I've got no waterproofs whatsoever. So I'm at the mercy. But it's absolutely lovely to be so close to such good golfers. I hope to... Not that I found a way. It's almost like being under the bed covers recording something. So I'm just going to see how I get on. So we'll pause and start and pause and start and see what it's like. This is really right down. One of them played an iron, the other played a driver. This is a par five hole. The fairway can't be more than about 20 meters across. And there's marrow grass on above right and left. So we're in down between the sand dunes. Very sheltered here. Very wild elsewhere. Now the famous thing about this fourth hole in La Hinch is that you can't see the green with your second shot. There's a big sand dune in front of you and they actually have somebody who stands on top of the sand dune and gives uh, uh, directions to golfers on which way to go. Actually, well, I may not be exactly right, there's a flag up there. So you stand down here, I'm about 15 metres from the ball, which is just off the edge of the fairway. And the, the line from here is straight over the top of the, of the, the, the sand dune in front. But in, 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 on warm, hot days, the ball will run a mile on the other side and you can get to the screen in two. The wind is right behind your back. So uh, let's just see what happens next. Well, the ball has gone dead straight. It looks like as if it, if the line was correct, it's gone straight for the flag. So uh, we'll see what happens. I hear clapping.
The man whose shot I watched is about six feet from the hole. The other man drove. The guy with the driver hit his shot down the right-hand side of the sand dune, completely clear of all trouble. And he's hit the ball onto the green. Also, about what looks like 10 or 12 feet from the flag, from the hole at this stage. Now this is a par five, so you can just get the idea of, that must have been about a drive and a, can't have been much more than a drive and a nine iron to get onto the green at a par five. That'll tell you what it's like. So with the wind behind me, even I could get to the par five, four, fourth hole in two. So the red-headed golfer goes in to the lead, I think. He uh, scored an eagle, a three at a par five. And he, all he had to do was to sink about a six to eight foot putt to win that hole. So one guy, the guy in black, lost even though he scored a birdie.